We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. My name is Jari Bolander. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. On this podcast, we're going to take a deep dive into the traits, values, beliefs, and skills of all sorts of entrepreneurs to learn how to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient world. Let's get started. Hey, everyone. I wanted to jump in quickly and let you know about the release of the audio version of my book, The Entrepreneur Ethos, narrated by David A. Knasser. If you want to support the show, you can buy it wherever audiobooks are sold. Links are also in the show notes. Now, on to my guest for today, Jared Kraus, founder of BuyingOnlineBusinesses.com. Jared dropped out of college and became a plumber, moving quickly into supervision, sometimes supervising workers who were much older than him and didn't appreciate being told what to do. He worked hard, but was always looking for an escape. He went through a cycle of working hard for a while, then traveling for months at a time. One day, he finally decided to figure out a way he could work while he traveled. He learned how to evaluate, buy, and build online businesses, and now shares what he has learned in his podcast and through his community at buyingonlinebusinesses.com, where anyone can learn how to find and evaluate an online business for sale. He calls what he teaches the due diligence framework, enabling potential buyers to research and analyze the potential risks and benefits of buying a particular online business. Jared clearly likes helping others, describing it as teaching someone to fish. Now, let's get better together. Jared Krause, welcome to the podcast. 
Thanks so much for having me. Really appreciate it, Jerry. Yeah. Well, you're another one of those guests I got from matchmaker.fm. <laughs> I've been impressed by how many quality guests I've been getting. And I'm actually, I think I told you before, I'm behind on getting them all out. But yeah, <laughs> I can't say, I can't say too many great words about them. So I, uh, I'm looking forward to more guests like you uh, because what's interesting is that the, the 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 variety of types of entrepreneurs I talk to, which is what I really wanted to get out of this um, yeah. whole experiment, you know, is because there's so many different kinds of entrepreneurs. Um, and but before we talk about your you know buying online businesses entrepreneur journey, I would really mm. love to hear how you got to do what you're doing today. Yeah, awesome. Uh, thanks for having me on again. And man, where to start? It's uh, you know, it's such a big journey. I think you've you've would have heard some amazing stories um, from some of your guests. I know you're up to episode fifty three now as we record this, which is super exciting. How much I know just from my podcast on how much I've learned from multiple guests. Um, but where to start with the story is, um, I guess when I was at school. Um, and I wanted to, like I had a, a, like a relative that was quite wealthy and he's a wealthy accountant. And I was like, I'm going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Man, how different my life is. Um, so <clears throat> from then until now, how, how the process went is that I just didn't do, do so well at uh, school, uh, like maths and English. In fact, they... Um, they downgraded me to um, what they call Dinglish, which is dumb English, which I don't know why they would do that at a school for the, <laughs> for the mindset and the confidence of a, of a child. But um, I went into an easier maths. I went into an easier English and I thought, all right, cool. I need to go find a trade. I had this perception that was only two routes mm. when you finish school. Um, and I've got this, this process that I call the funnel of society. Um, and how we are born with ult- like an upside down funnel. We're born with ultimate opportunity. And then as we go through the funnel society, we get conditioned to, to believe there's only a few things that we can do um, at different stages of our life. And yeah, so when we finish, I know that for myself and everybody else that I went to school with had this belief system that we could either go to university or go and get a job. Mm-hmm. And that job is usually a trade. So I went to go find the trade that I could get the most amount of money in and I became a plumber. Oh, cool. And yeah, which is great because I did earn some great money. Um, I was even working, I was working two days a, w- a week whilst I was at school. So I was doing two days of work per week and at school I was um, three days. So I was making some money straight out of the bat, bought a car, um, had some freedom, really loved that. And I went down the track of, of going up, getting under the wing of some of the supervisors in this big plumbing firm. Um, and in my first and second year, they taught me to be a, a site supervisor with all, for, for all these guys that were way older than me. Like I was like 18 and we got people like 40, 50 that on the tools don't want to take advice or don't want to be told what to do from an 18 year old <laughs> little whippersnapper. Um, like, yeah, you could be my son. What are you talking about? You have no yeah. idea, boy, what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I thought I did. Um, but you know, I just wasn't wise, like knowledge plus experience equals wisdom mm-hmm. in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, anyway, so 
it went down that track. I lost my job due, due to the global financial crisis. And that company went, no, it wasn't just, it was just before the GFC, sorry. And uh, they went bankrupt. <laughs> um, and so I went and found another job with another plumbing firm. And I was there for three months. I was second year or just turned third year. And one of the guys got kicked off the job site. And I was told that I need to run the show for, I need to be the supervisor. I was like, wow, okay, cool. Nobody really there knew me. Nobody really there liked me. And I became super stressed. Like I was uh, not dreaming. I was having nightmares about work and how much I needed to get done and report with the boss. And uh, ever since then, I just got more workload stacked on top of me. The more accountability that I took, <laughs> the more they go, cool, this guy's just, you know, this guy's shoulders aren't going to let up. Right. So, I just rode myself into the ground and um, then I started working too much. Like I just was working too much and, and went down the route of drinking and partying and numbing out on the weekend. Um, and due to that, I just felt like I needed to get the F away from that lifestyle. And so I did. I, I started quitting work after six months and I traveled for six, six months. And I go back to work for a year and then I go travel for a year. And uh, on one of my trips, I was like, I can't keep doing this. I can't keep. Like I'm running away from, I thought I was running away from my job, but I was actually running away from the lifestyle that I created for myself. Uh, so I was taking responsibility at work, but not for my life, <laughs> um, which is kind of funny in hindsight, hindsight. And when I was away, I found myself in 2012, I was in Egypt. I had just finished a, a big trip through Europe, about 14 countries and a little bit of Asia. Um, some of my friends flew home. I stayed on and went to Egypt and decided I'm just going to become a dive master, scuba dive all day, every day. And I realized I can't go back home. I need to work out how I can make some money and travel because that's what I really love to do. Like how can I wrap some money around this? <laughs> <laughs> and that's when I turned to the internet and I, I literally typed in how to travel the world and make money online. And that evolved into starting website businesses, which evolved into going, all right, 90% of all startups fail. I wasn't really making any money um, through these startups. And I thought, well, why don't I go away and buy the, one of these businesses that's past that 90% failure rate? So I bought one and then I bought another and then I bought another. And then people started saying, hey, dude, you need to teach me this stuff. As I started traveling around the world, a lot of people were like, how are you not working? How are you not going home? How is this possible? And that's when the doors opened up and people were like, yep, we need to know how we can do this as well. And that's how uh, the Buying Online Businesses brand got built out with all the things that we do. Whoa. So, so long story short, <laughs> <laughs> we can we can dig into pizza if you like, oh, pieces no, if no. you like. Well, so it's funny <laughs> because uh, I have a friend named Eric and he uh, he's now a nonprofit director. He does a bunch of nonprofit. He's done so many of these different nonprofits, and he's this tall, six foot three, big guy, like you know, mm. the sweetheart, but like kind of intimidating looking, you know, at some, at one <laughs> one level, right? And I remember, yeah. you know, I first met him through my late wife Jane, who I've talked about a lot on the podcast, and we were doing some some nonprofit work for him, and. You know, I, I didn't really know him very well, but I'm like sitting there talking to him, like, like what makes some guy like this tick? Like, you, you know, like what, what is it? You know, he went to school for this or whatever. It turns out he started out as a plumber in his dad's plumbing business, 
and his <laughs> his uh, his brother is still a plumber, and I don't know if his dad is or I don't remember the exact story, but he would go to these third world countries as the executive director of some charity giving away medical supplies or doing open heart surgery, right? And he would tell mm. me he's like, yeah, so I'd get there, you know, and I'm like the nonprofit, you know, the guy that's bringing the money in or whatever. And I'm like, and then he'd say, so what, what, you know, what problems are you guys having? And then more often than not, they'd be like, well, the plumbing doesn't work. <laughs> so he would, he'd be like, hey, I can help with that. And he literally, like he was in Africa, he told me, he's like, I'm in Africa, I'm at this hospital. For whatever reason, the, the plumbing in some of these bathrooms don't work, so they're not using them. And mm. I'm like, he's like, okay, I'm going to, you know, sling a wrench and do this stuff. And he's like, <laughs> he's like the executive director of this nonprofit, but, that, that. you know, that... I think it's that blue collar work ethic that I I find interesting when when people kind of make these transitions because you know I, I read an article the other day that the trades there's going to be a shortage mm. of tradesmen and tradeswomen. Mm. Um, wow. And and I think that you're right like the kind of the funnel. I mean here in the US the funnel is like if you don't go to college you're you're a quote unquote what, a loser, you- right? Yeah, if, what have you done with your life? Yeah, yeah, yeah like, you don't have a degree and you know, underwater basketball. How stupid basket is that? <laughs> I know. Yeah, it sucks. I know. Yeah. Because I have a lot of friends that have gotten degrees and things that are, have zero economic prosperity at all. And you're like, oh, now what do you do? Oh, I'm a teller at a bank, or, which is okay. But like, you didn't have to get a psychology degree to do that, right? Well, that's right. Like, it only, it, you know, it only narrows the funnel even more for you when you come out. It's like, all right, I'm going to go in, like I could study anything. I'm going to go in, I'm going to study one thing. And when I come out of this, I'm going to get one job in this specific area. And we've spent X amount of money, which is important, but not as important as the X amount of time that you spent in college. Right. And right. you could be studying for a job that a you don't particularly like and you've only studied for one particular job because you've narrowed your search, and B, that job may not even exist in the future. In fact, a large percentage of the um, subjects and and things that people are studying for now are jobs that aren't going to exist in the future. And uh, just the the second and third order consequences of all of that just really scare me. Like for children – you know, they're not children, they're young adults, right? Sorry, my apologies. And but they're just like oozing with opportunity and energy. And like, imagine if they this is one of my passions. And I, when I was traveling and, and um, talking to a lot of people, a lot of people are kind of like what I was is lost mm-hmm. and trying to find like their perfect dream job. And I sort of started asking specific questions to help people guide them down a route that they could find a job they could be super excited to go home and do that's going to be super fulfilling to them and um it's still something that i might go down in that route and and create some sort of institute to to help people find not their passion but be realistic about what they could um they, what they could do for, with a job what their actual work would be like and what their life would be like in 10 years realistically if they went down that route um, because we we have this belief system around right if i become a lawyer i'm gonna go and i'm gonna go and study in 10 years time i'm gonna have all this money and have a family and spend heaps of time with the family you don't ha- you, maybe you have a family but you don't have time especially as a lawyer no, yeah you, you might have some money but i mean law- as a lawyer like there's gonna be these 
like search engines that will take over and answer all these questions for you anyway. <laughs> like AI, the lawyer AI, yeah, yeah. I'm waiting for it. Just like the lawyer, mm. the AI doctor, I'm waiting for that too, where it's just a yeah. machine. Yeah. <laughs> the doctor robot, you know? Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, I think that's the reason why I find entrepreneurship so kind of exciting and, 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 and also a life skill that everyone should learn just like they should learn math and science and writing and stuff because boy, like being able to assess an opportunity, like you just mentioned, is this really right for me? Is the investment in four years of college? I mean, me, it took me five and a half since I was Mm -hmm. an engineering student, which is a whole other thing, but you know, is that investment worth it in the long run or should you be investing in other things? Um, before you go to college or while you go to college. I mean, one of the things that a lot of people do when they when they go to grad school, you know, they get a lot of debt in grad school. And mm. I'm like, well, that may or may not make any sense because, you know, is that grad school going to get you to the next level of your job? Mm. Um, and so I'm fascinated by like almost the analysis for evaluating an entrepreneur journey or opportunity, generally an opportunity. So mm. if you have more of an entrepreneur mindset, like, like you and I do, we look at things as opportunities. Like, is the op- is this an opportunity I want to pursue? You know, I've got hundreds of ideas that are like, oh, these would be cool, but how do I assess that that opportunity is really kind of for me or a business, quote unquote, that I could pursue? So how, how do you do that? Uh, with buying online businesses, because you know, you what's interesting is that you are making that kind of some people. Someone has to make that assessment if they're going to buy something, right? Um, mm. Do you have a framework in which I know you said you you mentioned that you teach people how to do this? Is there like a general framework that you use? Or I'm curious yeah, about this. Yes, yeah. Uh, it started out with me learning along the way. Uh, I got a few mentors to help me. Um, but when I really started, there was nobody in the space that was teaching this. And I, over the time of me buying businesses and looking at businesses, I developed exactly what you said is a framework. Um, what I call it is my due diligence framework. Mm-hmm. And it it helps people understand what they need to know about the business. And um, if we want a better life, we just need to ask better questions. If we want to make sure we can buy a really good business, we need to ask better questions about it. So it's due diligence is a fancy um, word that I didn't know what it meant when I first heard due diligence. It's just research. That's what it means is researching a business to see if it's a good investment opportunity. And you can do your due diligence or you can do research into any investment. Um, so what I help people do is I help them do their due diligence um, with a specific framework to allow them to understand if the business is a good investment or not. And I'm all about uh, teaching a man to fish mm. rather than giving a man a fish. Cause I have a lot of people in my community that um, go from zero to hero, knowing nothing about the online space. In fact, a lot of construction workers come in and know nothing and end up buying a business. Right. Um, so I'm all about teaching Amanda Fish. And if I just said, this is a good best investment, you should buy it, I wouldn't be doing them justice because I want their, I want to help them help their kids by teaching this as well to them. Uh, so there is a framework that allows them to find businesses, break them down and ask specific questions about each business to ensure 
um, to help them see if it's a it's a if it's a good investment or not. It's called my due diligence framework. I've actually got a, a new version. It's two point um, and oh, yeah, we have with the two point <laughs> Yeah, yeah, very very internety. <laughs> I like that term internety. Yeah. It's that's well, so you know, cool. I'm going to use that. Yeah, well, you know, that's hey, awesome. I, I'm you know. You know, I'm a writer. I come up with words all the time. <laughs> I like it. I like it a lot. I'm definitely going to use That's it. That's fine. And yeah. yeah, I mean, it's if people want to get that, like I, I, uh, what I do in my community is people would do that due diligence framework and I review it. So mm. I, I, I review it and then I say, these are the risks. You need to ask more questions about this. These are the opportunities. These would be your next steps. So the biggest thing that people pay for my community is is really guidance and support. I do give this due diligence framework away for free if people want to get that. Um, a lot of people that have interviewed me are like, dude, why would you do such a thing? This is so, <laughs> like you could make a lot of money from selling this. But it's it's worth it. Like it's it's, you know, you can go away and run with it and you guys can just check it out and you never need to speak to me or hear from me and just use it if you want. Like, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, that 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 kind of give away your best stuff model, the whole Brian Clark copy blogger yeah, who's now that's right. teaching. That's internety in itself. That's right? very internet. <laughs> you know, I'm in a I'm in a I'm in a group of his called the Unemployable Initiative, or now it's called Seven Figure Small. I teach it, they changed the name. Him and him and Jared Morris, who's another Jared, oh, spelled yeah. differently. Uh, but both both those guys built this online community through Mighty Networks where it's you know, how to build, mostly it's about how to take like a curated freelancer type methodology, which is, you know, newsletters and curating mm-hmm. content because curation's like the new content marketing, right? Because there's so much noise out oh, there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's just, it's insane how much stuff and newsletters and there's a bazillion of these groups and mastermind classes and bleh, i mean yeah yeah <laughs> there has oh, to be man. like a mastermind of the mastermind of the mastermind <laughs> uh, there is as you go like when you start to see these different levels of masterminds there is it's like i know the ascension of like all right i'll i can like be in this mastermind and then when i'm done like when i get to a certain level then i can go to this next one and the next one and um there's so many levels and you're right. Like It's scary how much information is out there. And this is what frustrates me mm-hmm. is that uh, a lot of people have great intention to do good things, but we have um, paralysis by analysis yeah. of too many things. There's like, there's a gazillion, there's, there's an infinite number of opportunities and there's an infinite amount of teachers out there like me how does one go, mm, I'm going to do this route? And then even when they decide that, a lot of the times they're like, I'm going to try this route. If it's not yeah. right, I'm going to try this. And they give them a certain time frame. Yeah. But I like to say, look, if you're going to do something, go do it for five to plus years um, because you're going to have the ups and downs in that. And any anything that um, is worth having is a long-term journey and, if, if you give up too early, then you're just going to try something, give up, try something, give up, try something, give up. And there's majority of the world is doing it and, it, and it, it's, it's, it's a form of self-sabotage. Yeah. No, no. People aren't conscious of it. Yeah. Agreed. And, and I think this whole, well, and I also think it's because people want everything to happen so fast, right? So mm. the online world makes it <clears throat> super easy 
to be, you know, distracted with the next shiny object, right? I mean, yeah. it's so prevalent that, you know, you know, they do this study on our attention spans less than a goldfish and, you know, all this sort of yeah. stuff, which yeah. which I agree with. I mean, I, I, I actually catch myself sometimes being too anxious and too like, God, mm. when's this stuff going to happen? When's this stuff going to happen? And mm. w- one of the things I find that's super helpful is thinking about like a long-term goal and not even mm-hmm. really a goal, but the process into which to get to the goal and then figuring out, oh, how can I build? And I like this term talent stack or, um, you know, skill mm-hmm. stack that, that, um, uh, what's his name? Scott Adams, the Dilbert guy came up with the Dilbert comic strip guy. Cause it's so true. Like it, as you build this, these systems to build your talent, you, you just have more ways to take advantage of an opportunity that comes. Cause you don't know, when an opportunity will come, you don't know that the path you're on is right. If you say, Hey, I want to own it as an example, I want to own an online business and you're starting from zero. I mean, you have no idea what you don't know. Right. I mean, it's to the Mm. point where it's almost like the first, you know, you're going to make all these mistakes and fail and go backwards and move and, you know, have all these things, but you're gaining the knowledge and the skills and the talent Mm. to then, you know, like what you did, now you can assess an opportunity. You, you know, you're accelerating people's talent and people's knowledge by providing a framework and the diligence framework and how does this work and how do you know you're not getting screwed and, you know, mm. what what are the risks and challenges? You know, the, so the, you know, SWOT analysis back in marketing days. Mm. Um, but it is it is kind of fascinating our, our, to, to, to sort of – I've never seen a marketplace for online businesses, actually. I'm sure it exists more than yours. Um, but I mean, are are you seeing more people during the COVID kind of pandemic coming in and trying to do this? Yes, it's bananas. It's, um, when people go through, I think Tony Robbins says, um, the quickest or somebody's somebody that very high in the self-development space says, uh, the quickest um, cause of change is a crisis mm. um, and people are really realizing like crap, like I need to take more responsibility for my life, for my family, for my finances. And my route is just one route. Like my route is just one route of like making money online and or I working mm. from home if you buy a business. There's so many others that are blowing up now as well because of it, um, which is just – you know, the compounding effect of the crisis. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's 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 crazy. And the, there's marketplace, like the way I like to explain it, like you said, you haven't seen a marketplace for online businesses, but it's amazing how many people come to me in my community and go, Jared, did you know that there's another marketplace? Did you know there's another place you can buy businesses? Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, cool. Wow. Like this is, this is great. Like I know all the big brokers, like we talk to each other. We know each other by name. And um, they've been around like they're the OGs. They've been around yeah. for like longer than me, which is great. And um, uh, the way I like to t- tell people about buying an online business, it's like what you're doing is you're buying, instead of buying physical real estate, like investing in physical real estate, you're investing in digital real estate. And just like you have uh, uh, brokers, right? You have real estate brokers for physical real estate where you can go on their site and you can look at all their um, properties they got listed. It's exactly the same when you buy 
a digital property, you go to a website broker and they have all of their website businesses listed and they tell you how much they're asking for the business, how much the business is making per month, what the expenses are, how many hours of work you need to do to run the business and what that work is required to run the business. And uh, it's it's you can just go shopping. Like you can just go shopping like you would for a house, right? I know it's a weird word shopping, but you are looking for a house to buy. You're looking for a business to buy the exact same way. And it's very similar to the process of doing research or due diligence into the investment. It's um the pat like they just run um so parallel and it's um I, I learn a lot like when as I um dive deeper into property investing, like I'm looking at buying two next year and um learning more about that space. I just it's there's so many good things that I'm taking from my experience in the online um space. And I think that yeah, it's a it's a it's a fascinating thing. It's 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 I, I like to just watch it watch it just become this own beast. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean the parallels are uncanny. I mean business is mm. business pretty much does just because you have a tech component doesn't mean it's fundamentally oh, right. different from you know running a mom and pop store i i like your analogy that you're just buying digital real estate as opposed to brick and mortar or, or yeah. whatever well what what are like what are some of the most popular businesses that people buy online uh it depends on at what level the investor is at and how much money they have or experience as well um for starters a lot of people buy content sites uh, what content sites are you'd be, probably be quite familiar with these yep. with your experiences just for the people listening um they're sites that publish a lot of content uh <laughs> it can be video it can be audio it can be text usually it's text usually they're blogs use and also and or newsletters or review websites um how they make money is through ads on the site or through affiliate links um and then people that have some marketing experience or they want to get into um, learning more about digital marketing and, and paid ads. Normally, they'll go down the e-commerce route uh, and buy a site that or a business that sells uh, physical products. Usually, um, there's multiple ways you can do that. Um, drop shipping's one that blew up a few years ago, and then we've got self-product distribution, uh, and then we also got 3PL, which is like Amazon FBA, which is blowing up now. Um, and then the people that have some code experience or software experience uh, and or have a team to do that and understand marketing, usually you buy some SaaS sites, um, software as a service. They're really good because or membership because they have a recurring income mm. um, and they're usually a lot more stable and, and less risk um, in single source dependency of, of one revenue stream from one or two or three big clients um, having multiple is, is, is very attractive. Yeah. Um, so they're, they're, the, they're the key sort of business models that we, that we see. Hmm. So, so hmm. yeah, I mean, I, well, I know what the, all of those are, but it's just so like, <laughs> you know, I know you, you know, people buy and sell like brick and mortar businesses all the time, yeah. but I never yeah. would have thought they'd be like, yeah, well, I got this website. It does this much revenue and I want to, I want to get out. I mean, what, what are the reasons people get out of the, what they're running? They just, you know, what, what are people like sick of it or onto something new or what's the, what are some of the both. reasons? Yeah. There's obviously you've got businesses that uh, have been affected by market changes, whether it's algorithm changes or, 
um, to like a search engine or to like a advertising platform like Facebook or Google or whatever. Um, you definitely have those or businesses that have been neglected by people. Like I was looking at a business yesterday. Uh, I was ready to buy it and somebody bought it just before me. Um, but that, that just got sold because there was a year of neglect of just not doing as much work um, in that business which um, is an opportunity for some people, right? Like people like myself with the team, there's an opportunity. And then you do have a lot of people will buy businesses that oh, the seller wants to sell because they yeah, want to move on to something else or they want to get the cash out and they want to put it into another venture hmm. or invest in something bigger. Hmm. Um, we have the whole thing like uh, website flipping, just like house flipping hmm. uh, where people will buy something they have a certain skill. Maybe they're good at renovating uh, a property, mm-hmm. right? And I'm talking about either physical property in house flipping or yeah. digital property with marketing. You can see how it runs beside yeah, yeah. each other very well, right? Totally, yeah. And so people will buy these, renovate them, sell them, um, you know, and flip them. And the good thing is to leave some money on the table, leave some opportunity on the table because it makes it easier to sell the business. But there's... um. There's so many reasons that will people will sell. I've talked to people that need uh, surgery that want to sell their business. I've talked to people oh, that want to pay for college. I've talked to people that like, yeah, I just don't have enough time for this. I'm making more money from other businesses. Um, there's so many reasons. And usually if you're buying from a good marketplace or a good broker, uh, the reasons, you know, if you know a good business, the reasons are legitimate. Hmm. Usually, I find. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm. I gotta believe, you know, just like anything, there's gonna be nefarious actors that, you know, do, do don't live the ethos that we all live as the entrepreneurs of, you mm. know, trying to do good and be good. Um, mm. Are there protections in place like real estate protections? I mean, again, I know nothing about this, so it's just super fascinating to be like, oh, I never knew you could do that. <laughs> Yeah, you um, you can fill out or sign an APA, which is an asset purchasing agreement. You have an agreement between one another um, and you can, you know, put different things in that agreement of how much training that you may get from the seller. So usually they'll teach you how to run the business and, and, and or grow it. Um, then you can have protections with the, how you structure the, the purchase. So uh, you could have a seller's note. Um, which is, you know, you'll pay for a portion of the business and they'll hold a portion of the business until a certain time and then you'll pay for that back. Um, and then you can have earnouts where you'll pay maybe 70 to 90% of the business down and then over three to six months or if you can do longer, um, you'll pay per month uh, until you sort of, um, yeah, earn I guess that's why they call it an earn out, earn the business back. <laughs> so um, there yeah, are yeah. those little things in place, but, you know, it's like any investment. Um, you need to do your due diligence. You need to make sure it's a good investment before you purchase it. What I tell people and what I always um, am mentioning to my clients is that our job isn't to find a business and uh, see if it's good enough to buy. Our job is to really find a business in our due diligence, prove that it's a it's bad business. If we can't prove it's a bad business, we must buy. Mm. Oh, that's a good, that's actually a really good point. Sort of like trying to prove the negative to get to the positive. Yeah. Interesting. So, I mean, how many of these do you own yourself? It's that, so you said that you 
saw one you were going to buy and kind of got someone swooped in and got it from you. I mean, yeah. How, how many of these do you have just yourself and your team? At the moment, we've got three. So wow. looking at buying another one or two, um, yeah, we're, we're, we're looking at ramping up. Um, yeah, like I'd like to have some more. <laughs> I've really focused on help. Like I, I, I had I had three and then I built out my um, brand, uh, buyingonlinebusinesses.com, and then I got really busy with that and I wanted to keep keep on top of that for for a number of years which i did mm-hmm. um and that's very solid at the moment and people are i feel it's uh, we we document the journey uh we started documenting um our portfolio we call it the portfolio of us <laughs> buying and building sites and building the team and stuff like that it's just extra value for those in the community um and some people that listen to the podcast as well we share some bits as well but um yeah now we're really ramping up to, to get that cranking so yeah it's a i'm always always learning <laughs> yeah well i mean I, I guess you know like people invest in a real estate investment trust mm. my guess is eventually there will be a online business investment trust that you could put put money in and kind of see how you know how but what's interesting is in, in a in a writ you put money in and then people develop properties because they get loans. So there's really no, I mean, they, they have a certain amount of um, interest they pay back, but kind of like all, which is a little more fixed. Although there's a lot yeah. of like funds, especially for um, seed stage investing as an example, where people kind of roll them into these rolling funds and then they do seed investment to startups and then they either go crazy, great, or they completely crash. It yeah, sounds it depends like, on the yeah, a little more. This seems like a little bit more of the the writ style. It, this it, is what's happening, actually. Yeah. Um, in fact, uh, I think it was about this time last year. I was on a podcast, and uh, about a year and a half ago, a lot of people started reaching out to me and like, "Dude, can I give you some money? Can you buy me some businesses? <laughs> can you run it?" Exactly. And um, that's what I and thinking. then. <laughs> Yeah, well, and like I got people in in I got a few different groups like Mastermind and and the uh, earlier group and stuff like that. Um, and on one podcast, I mentioned it. Um, I was like, "Yeah, we're we're gonna we're gonna start a fund. We don't know when we're gonna start a fund, but there was a there was a bad idea to mention it on the podcast because <laughs> a lot of people reached out. It was like, "Dude, this is great! Like, yeah. here's my money. It's crazy how much money there is out there." And I don't know whether they're smart with the money or they're reckless, but. Um, we went down the route of like, all right, cool. We can we can start this fund. Um, we've got a lot of investors, um, but we and we were going to just go away and 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 um, you know, if we rushed into it, like we could have just taken the money, bought some businesses, and built the team around that. Yeah. Instead, what we want to do is we want to build this organically and give everybody who invests in the fund justice mm. um, with their money. Like mm. this is their hard-earned money. A lot of people are coming like, look, I've got 30K in the bank. I'm going to give you 25. That's like a big co- that's a big portion of their money. Yeah. So we're like, all right, we, uh, we're going to do it justice and build our team and make it a world-class team mm-hmm. and then we'll bring on investors. Because as soon as I mention the portfolio like and, and to people in my inner circle, they're like, oh, I three people straight away. It's like, all right, am I getting my wallet out today? I'm like, yeah, yeah. no, you're not. Um, <laughs> nope. Specifically, hold down. If, yeah. yeah, hold down. Um, and, it's, and it's fun because 
it's good to have that backing there. But this is like you said, you've got these REITs that just some will just go up and just keep going. And then you've got others that will just go up and crash and burn. And we definitely don't want to be in that category. We want to go slowly up and and make sure you know it's scalable we don't want to build it so quickly that it's not scalable and you know the the parts around it break like the team and things so um it, but there's other people out there that are doing them wow. um okay yeah so like it's it's a thing um and it's only going to get bigger like it's it's interesting it's cool to, and fascinating to see everybody else do it um there's only sort of two people really doing it um uh in the public eye mm-hmm. that are kind of doing it well um you need to um it needs to be private investors yeah um, not accredited investors yeah um until you were to go public or, or do something like that so there's no public uh investment funds um but yeah i, I it's interesting and um it's there is this risk there's definitely risks so oh, people yeah. listening it's not like just don't throw your money into no. anything and just go yeah like <laughs> um, this is great um there's definitely risks involved so understand them <laughs> yeah no i mean uh the guy the guy that runs tiny capital i don't know if you know who he is i've heard of this yeah so tiny capital and i should know this guy's name because i see him on there like pretty much every andrew wilkinson right He's like on all these podcasts I listen to. And so he, it's more like a venture fund. So it's, has a bit of a different model, but he does exactly what you're, what you're proposing to do. He takes Mm. these online businesses, invests in them and grows them. And it's like, yeah, they, they do it because they take that. Well, they, they, he wants to be the Warren Buffett for digital. (laughs) It's the way he likes to say it. Um, and he, he has my goal as well. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, but I mean, in, in, but what's really fascinating, uh, is that the way he kind of looks at businesses. So, you know, an online, great online business that needs to scale is what he's looking at. So, you know, similar thing like, oh, you've built it to this point and now we want to take it to the next level, or you want to sell it because you want to move on to something else, or you need, you know, we need to it kind of infuse more um, capital talent or whatever. So he's, he does exactly the same thing. So mm. definitely a good, good person to follow and tiny capital there. His whole ethos is awesome. I mean, I just love the way he like carries himself and the way he talks about stuff. Um, mm. You know, he, he's, he's on, he's on the um, my first million podcast a lot with uh, cool. Sam Parr and, and, Sh- and Sean. Um which is pretty pretty neat. I mean, it's just the philosophy is just sound philosophy. Like we're going to find good businesses and grow them and we're going to be very, you know, strategic about it and we're not going to try to do, you know, fly by night stuff and yeah, that's the main thing is yeah. like like I, I always come back to the foundation um and if you have a foundation built on what he has like good philosophy um it's really hard to break that foundation and um, whatever you build on top of it. Yeah. Uh, like, yeah. Like you say, the things like ethos, um, I'm always, you know, talking about values and morals and things like that. Yeah. And um, these are the things that people who have a long-term game plan or long-term vision 
um, have or are, you know, within within their philosophy. And then you've got other people that are like, wow, dollar signs, I can make money here. And yeah. they want to do it within a short time frame. And they'll just take money and, and make it happen really quick. And that's when things break, I think. Um, so it sounds like this guy's um, going down that route of long-term and I'm all about it. I'm, yeah. I'm definitely all about it, yeah. Yeah, and he-, he It's great. It's, it's, no, it's pretty cool because, you know, Warren Buffett's famous for making these billion-dollar deals like in mm. days as opposed to months. Mm. I mean, in anyone that's ever tried to raise venture capital, me being one, hates the, low, the slow no, right? Like every venture capitalist I've ever gone to has always had the slow no. And the slow no is this painful month-long process where it's like, just tell me you don't like my deal. Tell me, you know, but they don't want to do that. And there's a reason why, because it's all about deal flow with them. So they need to get deal flow. They need people to yeah. like come to them. And so they can't be, you know, well, you know, for lack of a better word, they can't be, you know, dicks about it, right? They have, but it's, so it, but, but it's like, but you, are stringing me along, <laughs> and then yeah. that's even worse in some cases because it's like just tell me no. But the slow no is the is just awful because you know as a entrepreneur trying to get money, trying to fund something, you know like my time's worth a lot. I could either be mm. investing in my business or I could be raising money, and raising money is a full time job when you're doing it. Mm. And so that's the reason why I like this kind of tiny capital approach. I mean. I love I love people that can make a decision based on the facts and say yes or no quickly because you know really the diligence like months of diligence is it really going to uncover like what you think it's going to uncover mm. chances are no probably probabilistically you know you know what you know within a couple of weeks it doesn't take months for this I mean yes of course you got to pay lawyers and accountants and they'll like cross the t's dot the i's and all that sort of stuff but generally like if you think well, it's it a depends. Good deal, you know what I mean? Yeah, it also depends on their stance um, with deployment of money. So mm-hmm. uh, if they've got a, a stack of cash, they want to buy something mm-hmm. and they can be just shopping like, which one am I going to buy? And right. they're looking at these different products like your businesses and they're like, well, we're weighing them up against each other and it can take time to weigh and it, and it sucks for either party, um, both of you guys. Right. But they're, you know, they're going to buy one of them, and that's why, like, they they need to deploy the money. Otherwise, like, it can for tax reasons, for so many different yeah. reasons, um, and it could be that, like, um, portfolio buyers, specific portfolio buyers, that this could add to this business. Mm. Um, you, they may have a platform business, and they mm. could put buy one that can build it up in a stack, and they could do roll ups. And like, when you dig into private equity, there's I like I consider myself scratching the surface, um, but like you said, it's it's frustrating if you're selling a business to a private equity firm, yeah. and or you've got a f- venture um, that a private equity firm's looking at, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and they're just comparing you to somebody else. You're yeah. like, no, no, and I get that. I mean, I I help I help professional athletes invest their money, and I'm mm. I'm guilty of this on the investor side <laughs> because mm. it's like I you know there's so many things that have to come together so that's why I'm a little I, I have a little bit of empathy um mm. but still I even I try to be like look we're not interested yeah. just because but it's so hard and I get why I don't it's 
there, there's a dance, right? So, mm-hmm. but still, <laughs> it's like I, I, that's why I like Tiny Capital so much. This is such a cool idea. And I guess Andrew is just such, you listen to him speak. I definitely recommend you follow him on Twitter and you just listen to everything he's ever done because it's so like, just the philosophy and the ethos yeah. and the way he conducts himself. I, I wish just more investors were like that. So, yeah, that's great. We do need more investors like that. I'll be checking him out. Great. Well, you know, it's been awesome talking to you and getting to know you. Um, Likewise. Good luck with buying online businesses. And I'm definitely keen to, to look at this even more. And like I said, the whole like portfolio, like a writ is going to happen and there's, people doing it but yeah it, i hope yeah. that as time goes on this will be another asset people can invest in not all your money <laughs> but exactly <laughs> enough, enough you know you got to have a little bit of risk a little bit of upside hopefully um yeah but yeah. uh but jared yeah thanks so much for your time thanks so much jerry appreciate it it's always fun thanks for listening to the entrepreneur ethos podcast i hope you enjoyed this episode as much as i did creating it my hope is that you learn something that can make you a little bit better If you enjoyed the podcast, please do share it with friends and review it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also join my email list by visiting theentrepreneurethos.com to get my thoughts on what I'm doing to get better, as well as what I'm working on. You can also pick up my book, The Entrepreneur Ethos, if you want to learn the traits, values, and beliefs that I think we need to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient entrepreneur and, frankly, world community. Feel free to follow me on Twitter at The Daily MBA and let me know if you have any questions or recommendations for a guest you'd like me to talk to. Also, drop me a note if you try anything we talked about on this or any other episode. I'd love to hear what's working for you. Until next time, keep getting better. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.